Uh, I'm going to preach out of James chapter 1 this week. And so if you have a Bible, if you have your journal, electronic device, any of those things, go ahead and turn to John chapter, or I'm sorry, not John, James chapter 1. And that's where we're going to be this morning. And if you don't have a Bible, that's A-OK. The words will come up on the Sky Bible, like Pastor Charlie would call it. They'll come up on the screen if you need that. So uh, this morning... Uh, We're going to approach a text um, in the New Testament. It's an epistle. It's a letter from a man named James. Okay, so we're very original here in biblical literature. We just name books after the people who wrote them. And so James was the brother, the half-brother of Jesus Christ. And so he grew up alongside Jesus. So, So James belongs to Mary and Joseph. Now, the Gospels tell us that James actually didn't believe that Jesus was who he says he was when they were younger. Now, we can put this into perspective for a moment, because if my older brother came to me and said that he was God, I wouldn't believe him, and none of you would believe him either, by the way. We wouldn't believe him. So, of course, James had some sort of transformational moment. I mean, he's obviously written part of the Bible. So obviously he met Jesus in a new and a fresh way. The book of Acts and the book of Galatians also tell us that he was like a pillar of the early Christian church, that he was one of the lead pastors in the Jerusalem church right when Christianity was starting. And so it's out of that ministry that James writes this epistle, this letter to Christians that are scattered abroad, most likely in like Southwest Asia, more than likely, not totally sure. The scholars taught me that. Take it for what you will. He was writing to dispersed Christians all over the place. And also, he's writing to us. So I guess he's been writing to dispersed Christians all over the world because we all use the Bible. So um, that being said, as we approach the text today, uh, I'd love to just pray for us and then we'll read together. Sound like a plan? Good. Bow your heads, close your eyes, and I'll pray for us this morning. Lord Jesus, what we know not, teach us. What we have not, give us. And what we are not, make us. It is in your holy and precious name we pray. Amen. James chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. I'll read them for us this morning. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes dispersed abroad. Greetings. Consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its full effect, so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without doubting, for the doubter is like the surging sea, driven and tossed by the wind." That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, being double-minded and unstable in all of his ways. So in this passage, James is looking to refocus and encourage the scattered Jewish believers that are, that are all over the place at this point. He wants to remind them and encourage them of the original teachings of Jesus. So, so the entire book of James really is almost like a commentary of, of Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, which are the Sermon on the Mount. So that's like all the content that James is going to use, and then he's going to re-say a lot of it and and talk through those types of themes as he writes to the people that are scattered everywhere. And he begins by talking about trials. So this morning, I'd love to talk to you about the blessings in our trials. That's the name of my sermon this morning. Now, I know that saying that phrase is very much like a feel-good, nice and warm feeling. Yes, tell me the blessings that are in my trials 
But as we approach the text today, I want to make sure that we, that we all have the same mindset, that we all have the same viewpoint of what I mean when I say trials and what I mean when I say blessings. In fact, that's what we're going to talk the majority of our time about is what blessings are we receiving from God? Because it's not always what culture would define as a blessing for us. So let's talk about this word trials, okay? The word trials, whenever we're talking about it in this context, in this passage, James is talking to a people that are absolutely surrounded by difficulty. Now, when I say the word trial, okay, here's my, here's my middle school, high school example. A trial is not the math test on Friday that you forgot to study for, okay? Sorry, you're going to be okay. That is not life-altering for you, I promise. Study, children. If there are any children here, you should study. Let me make myself very clear. But that's not a trial in your life. For, for my adults in the room, that annoying coworker, that's not a trial, okay? And I know I said annoying coworker, and I know you can picture exactly who the person I'm talking about in your life is. I work with Pastor Matt. That's who I pictured. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, everyone. Relax, relax. I'm just kidding. That is not a trial in our life. A trial is something that truly surrounds us. It engulfs us. You wake up in the morning, you're thinking about it. You go to sleep at night, you're thinking about it. You're in the morning making your coughing, you're thinking about it. You're driving home from work, you're thinking about it. All of your conversations lead back to the same conversation, the same idea, the same topic. Dare I say, we have been in a little bit of a trial over the last year of our lives, collectively. I would say that this global pandemic has been a bit of a trial for each and every one of us in our own way. And so when we walk through this passage and we talk about trials, that's what James is referring to, the things in our life that, that are remarkably difficult, that are going to change us, that are going to, to mark what our lives are about. These are the, the things in our lives that are going to help shape us. Those are the trials that we're talking about this weekend. The second word that I mentioned is blessings. So let's talk about blessings for a moment, and we'll use a, a little bit of a, uh, a social uh, experiment. Let's say that I pull my phone out, and let's say, because I'm addicted to this thing, because I'm in Gen Z, that I pull up Facebook, and I start scrolling down my news feed, and I stop, and, and, and there's a photo and a little caption under it, and I read the caption to you, and it says, I'm feeling hashtag blessed today. Let's say that that's what the caption is. What do you guys think the picture is? It's that really nice silver Mercedes with a bow on it like I see in the commercials. <laughs> or it's a beach vacation, because that sounds great. And my, fan, my friend Sandy went on one last week, and I want one. <laughs> That's what we think of. We think of situational blessings. We think of a promotion. We think of, uh, of getting a raise at work. We think of those things when we think about blessing. We think of situational benefits. Now, here's where that can be remarkably disappointing in the Christian life, is that Jesus takes that idea of blessing, situational benefit, and he turns it completely upside down on his head, and he says, that's not at all what a blessing is. None of those things that I named are bad. In fact, I am hoping for a, the blessing of a new car one day. That would be great. None of those things are bad. None of those things are evil in and of themselves. But are they really the blessings that God is looking to provide for us in our life? See, God doesn't leave us alone in our trials. He's actively working within us to bring blessing, but in a way that we may not fully understand. 
I want to let Jesus speak to this uh, because that's the best way that I can preach to you is share Jesus, the, the words that he would say. So Matthew chapter 5, verses uh, 3 through 10. I'm going to read them for us. And this is Jesus talking about what blessing truly is. And he says this, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the humble, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. These are the blessings that Jesus proclaims to his first followers, his first disciples. And not many of those things line up with our modern cultural idea of what a blessing is. I do not think that normally what culture would tell me is that people who are sad, people who are mourning are not blessed. What culture would say is that the peacemaker is not a blessed person. Culture would call that person weak. In, in youth ministry term, that person would be called soft. They get walked over. They get run over. They don't stand up for themselves. Now, that's not necessarily what the word peacemaker means, but for the sake of what we're walking through today, being a peacemaker isn't necessarily something you see in someone and think, oh, they're, they're blessed. Normally, we would say that they are weak. And so Jesus is actively trying to change our view of what it means to be blessed. And James is calling back to those things. The entire book of James, like I said earlier, is really a commentary on Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, which is the Sermon on the Mount. And so James is trying to bring the people back to an original understanding and teachings of Jesus so that they can be shaped, so that they can mature, and that they can grow despite their present circumstances, so that they can see the reality of God's blessings in the midst of their trials. And that is what I would wish for you this morning, is that you would see the reality of God's blessings amidst our trials. See, in order to do that, we have to align our perception of blessing with what God's will is and what his reality is, what his word says. And so as we walk forward today, that's what I'm going to talk about is blessing, the blessings that God provides for us based on his strength, based on our relationship with him, even in the midst of our trials. So here in James chapter 1, James is reminding the dispersed Jewish Christians how they should face trials. And so how does he begin doing that? So he has a little introduction, and then verse 2, he jumps right into it, and he says, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of, of, of various trials, excuse me. Uh, he says, consider it great joy. What a strange way to approach trials. What a countercultural way to approach trials with joy. That doesn't make sense to the world. And so for, for anybody who has no concept of Jesus or scripture or the Bible or really of, of following Jesus generally, this is a very strange way to approach difficulty because what we would normally say is I approach trials with frustration and I approach them generally with anger and I approach them uh, in, in a very aggressive way so that they're over and they're done with. But James says, no, consider it pure joy. 
Now, I don't want us to misunderstand James here. He's not saying to be fake when things get hard. Don't, don't just smile, you know, rub some dirt on it. You know, I would twist my ankle at basketball practice when I was a kid, and my dad would say, walk it off, and you can't really walk off a, a hurt ankle. Okay, that's not what James is saying. He's not saying that we should just deny reality. What he is saying is that we should remember that we should trust Jesus anyways. We should trust Jesus when things become difficult. And that is the place where we find joy, relationship with Christ. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. It's a very famous passage, um, and it's about the fruit of the Spirit. It says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, self-control, and against such things there is no law. See, when we have a trusting relationship with Jesus and we have his spirit within us, it is actively producing joy, it is actively producing these things. And so because of the, the result of our trusting relationship with Jesus, we can have joy despite our circumstances. And what the word tells us, what, what God's word tells us in Romans 8 is that Jesus, God can take anything and use it for our good and his glory. He can use anything in our life. So it doesn't matter where your problems come from. God can use them for our growth and for his glory. And knowing that fact, trusting in that fact, we can have joy despite what is happening around us. And so we have to ask ourselves, what's the difference in our situation then? What's the difference between responding in a in a bad way, in a wrong way, in an evil way, in a worldly way, and responding in a godly way to the, to the things we walk through. How can we have joy in our trials? And it's this word at the beginning of the passage there, consider it great joy. Consider we have to choose joy. In this way, we become like a gardener for the fruit of the Spirit that's within us. God's Spirit is actively trying to produce this fruit within us but are we watering it? Are we cultivating that fruit within us? Are we cultivating joy within us? And I would even take a step further to say is that if we do not cultivate joy within us before our trials, we will not find them within our trials. There's this great quote that um, Pastor Matt, I'm totally stealing part of his sermon from the other night. (laughs) I'm willing to admit that to you. I'm stealing part of his sermon. That's okay. It's all for the Lord's work and his glory. So Pastor Matt was preaching the other night and he used this phrase, this quote that, that just illustrates this idea beautifully. And he said that trampled flowers release their perfume. What a beautiful image of what being a follower of Christ means when the world press, presses us, crushes us, tramples us. What are we releasing? And that's an introspective question. That's a question we all have to ask ourselves. What are we releasing when the world presses down on us? Because the flower, when it is trampled and when it is crushed, it releases what's within it. It releases its scent. It's perfume. So I would ask you today, what are you releasing when the world presses down on you? Because the goal of cultivating the fruit of the Spirit within us is that when the world presses down on us, we would release forgiveness. We would release peace and joy and all of these things. And unless we are not filled with those things in advance, if we do not choose it in advance, 
we will not be able to experience them in the trials that we go through. And every single one of us will go through trials. Jesus himself says, in this life, you will have tribulation. You will have difficulties. So reflect on that. What, what are the things that I'm releasing? What are the things that I am feeding into myself? Because joy is available to me through trust in Jesus Christ, no matter what my circumstance is. There's another thing that we have access to, regardless of what's going on in our life, and it is wisdom. Okay, that's the next thing that James kind of walks into in the scripture here, and it's this idea that wisdom is a blessing. So, so this is something that, that I want to make sure we define the word wisdom too, um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the scripture in just a second. We're going to read verses 5 through 8 one more time, but when, when we look at this idea of wisdom, there's a lot of great wisdom out there that is... Um, you know, built towards hitting your sales goals or built towards having this or that in your life. And, and so there's a lot of wisdom out there that are, that are good thoughts and, and great for building your, your life around. But, but at the end of the day, when we approach wisdom, our goal should be to be looking at the world in a godly lens, okay? Because there's plenty of wisdom out there that sounds great, that, that probably works even, but is completely counter to what the Bible would call us to do, to what Jesus would call us to do. We've already seen that with blessings, that blessings in many ways are kind of the opposite of situational benefits, right? Of what the world would say blessing is. It's the same way with wisdom sometimes. So that's why we need to have discerning. That's why we need to be cultivating the fruit of the Spirit within us so that we can understand what the Spirit is trying to do, what Jesus is trying to do in our life. And it is the same way with wisdom. Let me read James 1 verses 5 through 8 one more time for us. It says, Now if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without doubting, for the doubter is like the surging sea, driven and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, being double-minded and unstable in all of his ways. God is fully willing to give us wisdom. He is fully willing to give us wisdom. He does not have some room on the side of his throne where he puts all of the wisdom and then hides it there. When we ask him, when we go to him for wisdom, he is fully willing to give it to us. Man, I don't know if Jesus ever struggled with dry mouth, but that's annoying. Excuse me. So this part of James is also very reminiscent of a, of a spot in the Sermon on the Mount in which Jesus talks about prayer. And so I'd love to read that passage to you. It's Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11. And this is Jesus talking about prayer. And he says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks received, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Who among you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? If there is one piece of advice that I could give you today, it would be to ask him. Seek him. You will find him. You will find wisdom. It's not a Charlie Brown Halloween situation where Charlie Brown is running around with his friends, right? And, and his friend gets, you know, a, a king-sized Butterfinger. And, you know, his other friend is like, you know, I got a Snickers. And Charlie Brown's like, I got a rock. 
Okay? That's not how God's wisdom works. He is not just walking around handing it out to people and then he's like, oh, you, you need some wisdom in your trial? Here's a rock. That's not how that works. Jesus is fully willing to offer his wisdom to us when we pursue it. And wisdom is looking at life from a very godly perspective. It is knowing how to react to the situations of life in a godly way. That's what wisdom truly is. I read this book this last year, and it's called Chasing Wisdom, okay? And if you are an avid reader, I would suggest this book to you. And if you are not an avid reader, I would still suggest this book to you. Uh, The writer talks about wisdom, obviously. That's the title of his book is Chasing Wisdom. But he talks through what godly biblical wisdom truly is, okay? And he calls it practicing for spontaneity, which is totally, that, that is not how that works. The whole point of spontaneity is that you cannot plan for it, is that it is random and, and uncalculable. You can't, you can't just know what's going to happen next. That's spontaneity. And he says, we're practicing for that. And that is truly an image of, of what we are doing when we are pursuing God's wisdom. We are trying to fill ourselves with God, God's wisdom in the same way that we would fill ourselves with joy before a trial comes. That's how wisdom works. When we pursue God and his wisdom and the disciplines of scripture, the discipline of his wisdom of godly living, regardless of what happens next, no matter how spontaneous it is, we know how to respond in a godly way. That is the point of wisdom, and it is a blessing that God is always willing to give us. I would, I would stress to you today that it is, in fact, unwise to not pursue wisdom before you do anything in a trial. Make that a practice. Pursue God. Ask him for wisdom. Don't be sheepish. He is willing to give it. He is willing to give it when we pursue and when we seek after him. And so in this entire passage, James is trying to change our perspective about trials. And he's trying to change our perspective about blessings. And so in walking through our trials and in receiving blessings from the Lord, we know that joy is something we can receive from him. We know that wisdom is something we can receive from him. And the third one, uh, this third trial that I want to talk, or I'm sorry, this third blessing that I want to talk through this weekend can be difficult to approach. And so I just want to lay that out, obviously, as we come forward here, but stay with me for just a moment as we read through this. I'm going to read James chapter 1, verse 12 for us. It's just a few verses down from where we've been, and it says, Blessed is the one who endures trials, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. It's my third point for this weekend, is that trials are a blessing. The things that we walk through, the difficulties that we have, God can use these things to shape us and to mold us. Trials are where our faith develops. Trials are what give us endurance. Trials are where we pursue and we learn wisdom truly. Let me read verses two through four of James 1 just one more time for us this weekend. It says, consider great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete and lacking in nothing. In verse 3 here, James uses uh, the word testing. He says, you know, the, the, we know that the testing of our faith produces endurance. And this word testing was the process for um, purifying 
heavy metals, basically. So, so somebody would take gold or they would take silver and they would put it through a test, which was, I, I mean, just they were putting it through fire. They were burning it with really, really hot a lot of heat, it was very, very hot, so that the impurities of the metal would burn off, okay? And that is called the dross. And so the dross would burn out of the gold, and it would become stronger. It would become prettier. You would put little diamonds in it and make them really expensive. That's how the testing would work. The metal would become more pure, okay? And truly, in the Christian life, we are similar to the gold and the silver and the steel. As we go through testing, the impurities are burned off. We become stronger we understand more about God. We understand more about what he is calling us to do. We understand wisdom. We understand joy in a different way when we go through difficult times. And in this moment, I just want to take a moment to say that that joy in the Christian life is not just happiness, okay? Something that I want to make sure everyone leaving here hears is that joy is not just looking at the glass half full, okay? Especially when there's no water in it. Joy is not just finding the silver lining and the difficult things that you walk through. Joy is saying the words, even though. Even though I don't understand what's going on. Even though this isn't going according to plan. Even though I don't know how to get out of bed in the morning. Even though, God, I am not receiving the things that I want, I will choose you anyways. I will choose you anyways. That's joy is knowing that God can work within our trials to shape us, to mold us, to grow us, to form us into the image of Jesus so that we're sitting there next to him, crucifying our will on a cross like his to take up his will, his plan for our life, to take up the idea, this mindset that God can use the trials that we walk through to shape us and to mold us and to make us more into the image of Jesus because that is truly the end goal for our Christian life. God is not in it to make us comfortable. He is in it to grow our character. He's in it to grow our character. And I believe that us Christians, whenever we face trials, and this is myself included, many times we get incredibly distracted by the many things that are happening as a result of a trial, and we forget God's agenda in our life is to grow us, to shape us. We forget that, and then we become overwhelmed immediately by the trials that we face. The best way I have to illustrate this is when I was younger, when I was a kid, and my dad would ask me to come and help him work on our car together. Now, I am not a car guy, and I realized in this last service when I started telling this story how frustrating I remember being whenever my dad would ask, a, ask me to come help work on the car. And so we had this beat-up Suburban for as long as I can remember. We bought it like probably the year I was born. And so what would happen is, you know, small things would break down on it. I mean, it was an older car. And so my dad would say, you know, let's go to the store and find the wrong part and go home and then go back to the store and find the right part, which is incredibly frustrating. I can just feel the anger right now. I, I get so frustrated with cars. I am not good at fixing them. Uh, the point is this, is that what was that trial truly about? That trial of walking through how to fix our car and that kind of thing, that was about teaching me how to fix my car for when I was older and I had a broke down car and needed to fix it on the side of the road so that I could drive from Texas to Pueblo, Colorado and see this pretty girl that I liked. Okay, 
that's what the trial was about, was about teaching me how to fix our car and about having a car generally because you, you like need that nowadays. But, but what would happen is I would get frustrated with leaning over the engine for super long. My knees are sore. Dad, I don't want to carry the flashlight anymore. I'm tired. I have homework. That was always a lie. I never had homework. I just didn't want to do it. The trial became so, like, there were so many things happening. It was so complicated that I would become completely distracted from what the actual point of going through it was. And that was so that I would build endurance so that I could do it one day. And James says that's what our, the trials in our lives are exactly like. They are about building endurance within us to walk through difficult things. I want to talk about this word endurance. And some of you in your translation, it may have the word epomene, um, but it's, it's in the second verse here. Or I'm sorry, the third verse here. It says, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. So that's where we're at. And this word endurance in the Greek is ipomene. Now, I bet you didn't think you were going to learn Greek today on Mother's Day, but you're going to. We're all going to learn this word together. So I'm going to have them put the word ipomene up here. And so we're going to try to say it together. And so I'll give us a count to three, and then we will say the word together. Sound like a plan? Okay. Three, two, one. Ipomene. Let's try that one more time. One, two, three. Ipomene. Commit this word to memory. Ipomene. It is the endurance. It is staying power. Okay. It is two words. It's a compound word in the Greek that means to abide under. And the only reason we walk through trials is if we understand what the end goal is. And if we know that God's end goal is to shape us to be the image of Jesus to show us his love, to bless us in ways that we could never understand if we only knew blessing as situational benefits. If we know God's end goal is to give us life and life to the fullest and then forever with him, then we can have ipomene. We can have this. We can have endurance based on the trials that we walk through. Our trials can be a blessing in our life. There's one last thing that I want to talk through as we kind of bring this in for a landing this weekend, and it's this question, okay? It's a nagging question that, that many of you probably thought of as we were being reflective throughout this sermon, but it's the idea of why. Why, God? Why does this happen to me? Why has this happened to me? Why does this continue to happen to me? Why do I have to face the trials that I have to face? You can look throughout this entire book, this whole thing, and you will find plenty of scripture that is encouraging, that is comforting, that is God in, in, in some ways putting his arms around you to comfort you through trials. But it will not answer the question of why. We walked through the book of Job just a few months back as a church, and we did a lot of weeks talking through Job and his story and how much he lost and the trials that he faced and so when all of those things happened to Job, all of the difficulties in his life, and he, and he got this opportunity to ask God why, did God answer him? No. In fact, he says to Job, were you there when I laid the foundation of this earth? Were you there when I spread the measuring stick across the seas? God's perception of our world is so much larger than ours, but he does not answer the question of why for us? His response is simply 
this, that he would enter into suffering alongside of us. And that is the beautiful story of the gospel that I want to share with you is that Jesus was fully God and he was fully man and he came down to experience life and temptation and suffering and difficulty and do it right. He does it perfectly in the place of us. And then after living a perfect life, he offers himself freely. He offers himself freely on a cross like the one behind me to take on the wrath of God for the sins that we have committed. And he does that by choice. He chooses us. He allows the trials of his life to shape him. He pursues God for wisdom, and he knows that his joy, being one with the Father and being one with his church, being one family, he knows that that joy is beyond anything he could experience otherwise. And so that's what I invite you into this weekend. It's into a relationship with Christ that is built on his strength, on his power, that is about your growth, about a cruciformed life, a life that makes us formed into Christ. That is what God offers. That is what our trials can do. These are the blessings that don't sound like blessings, but they are the way that God is leading us. Let me pray for you this week, and I'll have you bow your heads.